we're looking at the kingdom of God, the kingdom of the Lord Christ, the kingdom of his dear son. These are terms and titles for the kingdom of God that you and I are part of if we've come to Christ as our Lord and Saviour. May I read you from Colossians, one of these wonderful, powerful verses that Paul writes. And we find it in chapter 1 of Colossians. For this reason, he says, we pray and we ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy giving thanks to the Father who qualified us or enabled us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins. A tremendous transaction has taken place and that transaction involves our transition from the power of darkness into the power and to the kingdom of God's dear Son. We belong to the kingdom of God. We belong to the kingdom of Christ. We're no longer under the authority or the demands or the power or the persuasion of the devil. We are the Lord's. And we read many times in Scripture that this transition has been supernatural. It was purchased at the cross. It was honoured by the resurrection. That's our assurance. And it is worked by the Spirit of God out into our lives so that we become children, citizens of the kingdom of God. There has been a change. There has been a transition from darkness into his most marvellous light. Now we read over in First John, I'm turning to that, a most amazing scripture there. Well, I know scripture is amazing wherever you read it. But just listen to these words. It's found in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin, but he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. We have now the power of choice. When we are tempted, when we are beguiled, when we are being enticed by Satan, we have a choice. 
and as I heard the great uh, A.C. Valdez say about 60 years ago, and it rang in my heart then and it rings in my heart today, the choice is yes to Jesus and no to Satan. Yes to Jesus, no to Satan. And that choice is ours to make by virtue of our changed heart and our understanding. As Paul prayed for the Colossians, he was also praying for us that we would have spiritual understanding, that we would know our place in the kingdom of God, that we have a place of authority before the throne of God, that we can call upon the Lord in our time of need. Now, that time of need is not just for provision, but also for protection, for grace to help in time of need, for the Lord to come to us. And in the time of temptation, we are able to call upon him and have his grace, which the Bible says is sufficient. I'm turning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And here we have this amazing declaration of the Apostle Paul about himself, about his transition from darkness to light, about his ministry, and the effect of that ministry on the men and women that listened to the gospel as he declared it and obeyed that gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, We have this ministry. As we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves are merely bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So there we have it. Those that are lost are those that cannot believe, will not believe, will not receive, and the enemy is able to becloud their minds, to darken their minds, to work in their minds and in their soul, and to thus prevent them from the great transition out of darkness into the glorious light of the kingdom of God. I don't know how often we should be revisiting the reality of this wonderful change that has come into our life. I think it's sadly that we neglect it 
and perhaps when we come around the Lord's table weekly or as often as we can, we should be showing forth this wonderful testimony that we have, that once we were blind, but now we see. Once we walked in darkness, but now we are in the light. You see, the kingdom of God is indeed a kingdom of light. Let's go back to 1 John and see what John says in the epistle. The first chapter is wonderful. He says in verse 5 of chapter 1 of 1 John, this is the message we have heard from him and we declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So we believers are those that have come certainly out of darkness out of the bondage that we were under and under the power of the evil one, the prince of the power of the air. In fact, in some translations, he is declared to be the God of this world, but with a small g. There is no other God but the God that sits enthroned in the heavens he is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Christ is the conqueror over sin, over Satan, and if we allow it, over the self-life, the flesh life that lies within our unsanctified hearts. God wants to bless us. God wants to move in our lives. God wants to reign King of kings in our lives because we are citizens of his kingdom and we are not subject to the whims, the fancies, the designs, the desires, the plans and the purposes of Satan. That's of the past. That's gone. And we turn to Second Corinthians again and here we have this wonderful declaration in the fifth chapter. Having in the fourth chapter spoken about the fact that we have indeed come into the light and we have revelation of Jesus Christ, we have embraced him as our Lord and Saviour, the Bible goes on to say in chapter 5 and verse 17 these words, wonderful words, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So we have entered in through reconciliation with God into a relationship with God. And there is no way that we can have a relationship with the prince of the power of the air, the God of this world, the dark one, and have at the same time, a relationship with the Almighty God who is clothed in light and glory. 
You cannot serve two masters, said Jesus. And that can be on any level. It can be a practical level. It can be a social level. It can be a moral level. We cannot serve two masters. We must serve one and hate the other. And of course, the proof of conversion is one like this. When someone will testify, once I was blind, but now I can see. Once I was lame, and now I walk free. Once I was guilty, and now I am set free and have become a son of the Most High. Isn't that wonderful? That is indeed wonderful. Satan has no power over you. The only power that he has is the power that you give him. He has the power of persuasion when he speaks to you. When he, like he did with Eve in the garden, seeks to beguile you and you listen. And sometimes we listen to the silliest of things that he says. And when he says to us, you're not a Christian, you're no good, you are a failure, God is not going to accept you, we are foolish enough to believe these things. Now, we are in the kingdom now, but the Bible says the kingdom is going to be revealed to all mankind. When Christ comes back again, he will come back as the reigning King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we go back into Luke's Gospel and we read the amazing things that will take place. And in parable form, Jesus talks about the coming kingdom. He talks about it in a very wonderful way and he says to these that were listening to him, Strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you, where you are from, when you will begin to say, we hate in your presence. Then you will say, you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you, where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. Now, you see, he is speaking primarily on this occasion to Jews that rested in the confidence they had that they were Jewish, they were Israelites, they belonged to God that God was duty-bound, that they had entitlement to the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. But he says, no, it has to be 
based on the fact of receiving the redemption that Christ has purchased on your behalf. And so many will presume. Presumption is one of the worst sins of all mankind, where we presume that God will automatically receive us. Well, why wouldn't he? We believe in him. We have listened to him. We have been in his presence. We have beheld him. We beheld his glory. But there's something more that has to happen. There has to be repentance of sin and there has to be a receiving of him as Lord and Saviour for the cleansing to take place and the transition to take place where we are released from darkness and we walk in absolute freedom in the kingdom of God, which is a glorious kingdom. Jesus said to Israel at the time, knowing that he would be betrayed, knowing that he would be on trial, knowing that he would be crucified and rejected of Israel. He said these words, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, but you were not willing. Your house is left to you desolate, and assuredly I say to you, you shall not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Well, we're coming very close to that place where the second coming of Christ will come. And it's essential that we know that we are already spiritually in the kingdom of God now because the kingdom of the king, the kingdom led by the King of Kings, is coming soon. And we know that in the hereafter, he will reign forever and ever. Are you part of that glorious kingdom? Now he speaks about it further in the 14th chapter of Luke's Gospel. And he speaks about it over there in Matthew's Gospel, when he talks to Israel very plainly, very definitely, very decisively. And he says these words, that when you are given a dinner or a supper, be very humble about it. And invite all those that you normally don't think are entitled because you see there is no entitlement to be in the kingdom excepting that you own Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. Now he goes on and talks about this in the parable of Luke 14. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. 
But they with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground. I'm going to go out and see it. I need to be excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. Now I need to go and test them. I ask you that I be excused. And still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go and quickly go into the streets, the lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways, go out and forage in the hedges, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. This is a solemn indictment against a casual complacent Israel and they felt that they would be there anyway by the sheer fact that they were part of the chosen people and yet as we've already quoted we go back to John's gospel and we go to the 10th verse listen to the the 10th verse through to the 13th He was in the world. Christ came in human form. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood. So it's not the entitlement or the inheritance of being in the nation, even of Israel, a chosen people, but one has to make their own specific transaction with Almighty God by the Spirit of God, according to the Word of God, and through and faith in the blood of Jesus Christ shed at the cross. These are those who were not born and therefore prided themselves on entitlement, nor of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of the will of of God. And that's why later in John's Gospel, in the 10th chapter, Jesus says these words, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And then in verse 16 of John chapter 10, he says, And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, 
and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And they will be all, we might add, of the one kingdom. This he foreshadows regarding the inclusion of the Gentiles. You see, the entitled ones, by and large at that time, rejected him, refused him. But then there would be a call that would go out beyond Israel. And of course, we read of that in Acts chapter 2. As we get to the end of Peter's discourse, he says these words, Be saved from this perverse generation. What was he saying that for? Well, he was saying to those that were listening with bated breath to the wonderful gospel, but also the indictment against Israel for rejecting the Lord of glory, he says these words, save yourself from this perverse generation. Then those that gladly received the word were baptized, and that day 3,000 souls were added to them. Now they received Christ, repented of sin, and were baptized in the authority of Jesus Christ and the Great Commission of Matthew 28 and Mark 16. And Peter had told them in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for, now listen to this, for the promise is to you and your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Now that's a confirmation of what Jesus said in John chapter 10. Other sheep I have who are not of this fold, and I will and must bring them, and there'll be one sheepfold and one shepherd. So he's talking about, and this is of course the great revelation, the mystery of the ages. He's talking about the great ingathering, the great inclusion of Jews and Gentiles who had no confidence in any other means of being saved except through the power of the gospel through repentance of sin and receiving Christ as their saviour. And the power of the evil one is broken over their lives. And I think the hymn writer said it beautifully, he sets the prisoner free. And we are set free. And so don't listen to your feelings and the warp of your emotions, but rather believe the word of God. You and I who've received Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour are at this moment already in the kingdom of God and soon when he appears, we shall be in the kingdom of heaven. Heaven. 